On this Easter Sunday, we celebrate the linchpin truth of the Christian faith. For if Christ was not raised from the dead, we are still in our sins and Christianity collapses. Many of the things Jesus did and said while he was alive on earth surprised and shocked a lot of people, which we'll be talking about in the Gospel of Mark. But on Easter Sunday, they would get the biggest surprise of their lives. Today, we're breaking away from our study in Mark's Gospel to look at the resurrection event in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 24, spending our time there this morning. The fact is that after Jesus was tortured and then crucified by Roman soldiers and then certified dead by professional executioners, his body was then wrapped in 100 pounds of spices and laid inside a tomb, and then a two-ton stone rolled in front of it, sealed, and then with a 24-hour Roman guard in front of it. What would any reasonable person expect to encounter when they visited the gravesite? Nobody was expecting what came next. Nothing was more surprising than what they encountered on that first Easter Sunday. So in Luke's account of that Easter morning, he not only mentions that everyone was taken by surprise, but he's also going to tell us why. Follow, if you will, as I break in at Luke 23, verse 55, and then read into Luke chapter 24. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how Jesus' body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they'd prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. They would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looked in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. In Luke 24, we actually see three groups of Jesus' followers who are absolutely surprised to hear that Jesus rose from the dead. First, the three women who went to the tomb, then the 11 disciples and others who were told the news, and then later in chapter 24, the two disciples on the road to, to Emmaus. But the reason they were all surprised was because as the angel pointed out to the women, 
They were seeking the living among the dead. On Sunday morning, they were all treating Jesus as if he were dead. In this passage, we see three reasons they treated Jesus as if he were dead, which is also the three ways people tend to treat Jesus today. First, they didn't believe the miracle of the resurrection. Second, they didn't understand the meaning of the resurrection. And third, they denied the spiritual reality of the resurrection. Let's take those one at a time. First mistake they all made, and most people make, is they didn't believe the miracle of the resurrection. We see this first in the women who watched Jesus die. They saw where they laid his body in the tomb at sundown on Friday. Nothing could be done the next day, which was the Sabbath. But on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb expecting to find a dead body, only to find the tomb empty. They weren't expecting a resurrection. They didn't believe Jesus actually rose from the dead. And the angel pointed out the mistake they were making was looking for Jesus among those who were dead. Quite naturally, these women thought, Jesus, just like all other great men and founders of movements who died, once you're dead, you're dead and you stay dead. They didn't believe in the miracle. They believed Jesus was a good person, a brilliant teacher. And like all good teachers, you know, his teaching goes on, but he doesn't. The women instead decided to honor his memory by bringing spices. If you treat Jesus like he's dead, the angels tell them, you'll never find him. He's not just a great man and a brilliant teacher. The angels said, Uk Esten Hode, Allah Ergathe. He is not here, but he is risen. You won't find him here. If you still think he's dead. <laughs> so Luke begins to help us believe in the miracle of the resurrection, first by showing us that the tomb was empty. In other words, Luke is giving us evidence. Jesus rose from the dead from the people who were actually there. Joanna was the wife of one of Herod's administrators. Mary Magdalene, former prostitute. Mary, the mother of James. Luke addresses the first mistake we all make when it comes to Jesus, unbelief. Miracles are usually met with doubt and unbelief. It's nonsense. How we're so far advanced in our intelligence and education. It's always been the most difficult and impossible for people to believe in the miracle of miracles, though that Jesus rose from the dead. See, when the women report this news to the apostles, they didn't believe it either. In Luke 24, 10 and 11, now Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, the other women were telling these things to the apostles, but these words appeared to them as nonsense. They would not believe them. They thought what the women were reporting was nonsense. They thought the women were being irrational, overcome with grief. They were denying 
the basic science of life and death. What they were saying about Jesus being raised from the dead in their minds was inconceivable and impossible. But look what happens next. The apostles go check the evidence. Luke 24, 12, Peter got up, ran to the tomb, looking in, he saw the linen wrappings and went away to his home, marveling. John, the other gospel writers tell, fill in some gaps there. Luke is, or is giving us the short version. But here's Luke's point. If you are treating Jesus as dead and don't believe in the resurrection, then you're not looking at the evidence. I meet a lot of people like that. They've never investigated it. I'm not going to go through all the evidence here today. I want to focus on the things we learn from this passage, uh, assuming most of us do believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The Apostle John tells us that when Peter looked into the empty tomb and saw the linen wrappings, he believed. He saw the evidence. John 23 to 8, so Peter and the other disciple went forth. They were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter. Now, why would the gospel writer mention that? I'll tell you in a minute. They came, and Peter, the other disciple came and ran faster and came to the tomb first, and stooping to look, <laughs> he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in, and so Simon Peter also came following him. He entered the tomb, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come to the tomb and also entered, he saw and believed. Richard Bauckham in his book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, says one of the marks of eyewitness testimony is irrelevant detail. Who would make this? <laughs> Why would they put that in there? Uh, John's testimony, for instance, of them seeing the face cloth rolled up by, in a place by itself, that's an unnecessary detail. Someone took the time in that tomb to carefully roll up the face cloth and lay it by itself in the tomb. The only reason to include it in the account is that's what they really saw. Watch for irrelevant detail in these accounts. It's amazing. It's eyewitness testimony, you see. That brings us to the second mistake they were making. First is unbelief. Looking for Jesus, treating him as dead. Second mistake they were making, and the reason they were seeking the living among the dead, treating him as if he were dead, is we don't understand the meaning of the resurrection. The angels tell the women, he's not here, but he has risen. And the apostle John adds something else that the angels say to the women. The reason they didn't believe the resurrection was because they didn't understand the scripture. There it is. John 20, verse 9, as yet, they did not understand the scripture. This is very key word that he must rise from the dead. Come back to that in a second. The angels in Luke 24 say to the women, don't you remember 
what Jesus said. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Oh, then they remembered his words. The angels are essentially saying to them, you don't believe in the resurrection because you don't understand the meaning of his death and resurrection. They don't understand. They don't remember. And the controlling word in that whole phrase in both Luke and John is the Greek word day. It's emphatic, and it means must. And it applies to all three verbs in that verse. Jesus must be crucified. He must be delivered. He must be crucified. And he must rise from the dead. Emphatic. This must take place. Do you understand that? Don't you remember? He said that. The women and followers of Jesus uh, here really are a lot like people in the church today. Most Christians believe in the miracle of the resurrection, or at least they say they do, but they don't understand the meaning. They don't get it. He said, what? What did I say? They, they know Jesus had died, but they don't know that he had to die. Extremely important to understand what's going on here. What does that mean? They know he died for them in some general way. Perhaps he suffered as an example for us to show love or courage or being strong. Uh, His death was one more example of of being a great man. What was the impact on their lives? Honor his memory, bring some spices, say some prayers, sing some songs. Treating Jesus as dead. They didn't understand that he had to die, that he had to be raised. They thought all they needed from him was his example or his great teaching, not his death. Christianity to them, many today, involves being good, like Jesus, or living for Jesus. That's what a Christian is. Is that your understanding of Christianity? Then listen to the angel at Jesus' tomb. He had to die. He had to rise from the dead. Why? For you. To save you. If he didn't, you and I would still be in our sins, facing the eternal wrath of God. He had to die. He had to rise from the dead. But to say that Jesus didn't just die as an example, but he had to die as a sacrifice means everything. First, it's very insulting to our pride. It means this. Listen carefully. That he had to die means... All the good that I ever do for God is not good enough. It's not. It means I'm too sinful, too lost, too guilty that only the creator himself, the son of God in the flesh, becoming a bloody sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin would ever be enough to make me a good person and acceptable to God. That's the only way. He had to die Don't you see? 
If you dislike that idea, you're making the same mistake the women and the apostles were making when they saw Jesus die and began to honor his dead body. Before they understood, you see, what the, what the angels said, before they got their theology right, just look at their religion. It was a funeral procession, honoring, memorializing the tragic death of a great man. But when they get the gospel, <laughs> when they remember what he said, that he had to die for sins and rise again to give me life, when they remember Jesus' words to that effect, there's no more funeral. They aren't crying at the tomb. They are running in order to tell others. It's fantastic. The angels, you see, <laughs> didn't say to these women, oh, you're so sad. Uh, you need, you know, you just need a little more knowledge. Uh, you need to prove your, just need a little comfort. You know, if you want to hug each other. What they are saying to them is, you are sad and burdened because you've never understood the gospel, the scriptures. You thought Jesus was your heroic teacher and example. No, he's actually your substitute, your savior. Do you live your life as if Jesus didn't have to die for you? There are two signs you may be living this way. First sign is if you live with an attitude of spiritual superiority. You think uh, God owes you better than you have because you're living a good and moral life. You think, you know what, my life isn't fair. And wonder why God doesn't bless you more or take away this or that and give you that. Spiritual superiority. But if you are living as Jesus had to die for you, then you realize you don't deserve anything <laughs> but everything you have is by grace, being forgiven, accepted, and crowned with glory and honor. All of what you have is actually a wonderful gift of grace from God in Jesus. If you believe Jesus didn't have to die for you, there's a certain self-righteousness that crops up, a spiritual superiority. I think, I think I'm pretty good. Second sign you're living is, as if Jesus didn't have to die for you is living with an attitude of spiritual inferiority. For example, uh, what do you do or what have you done in the past when you absolutely have failed at something miserably? You blew it. You, blow, you offended somebody. You said something. You did something. Or maybe somebody criticized you. You feel terrible. And in self-condemnation, you fall to pieces. Spiritual inferiority. 
you beat yourself up because you know you don't measure up. You don't believe Jesus had to die for you. Why? Because you believe if you could just live up to what God wants you to be, you'll be okay. But the fact of the gospel is you are so sinful that Jesus Christ was willing to lose everything in order not to lose you. He was willing to be cut off from God his Father and go to hell rather than lose you. <laughs> Self-condemnation, inferiority. But if I, if I just measured up. No, Jesus, that, he had to die for you, don't you see? And be raised for you. There's no room for either superiority or inferiority. And until we see that the death of Christ is our confidence before God, that Jesus is not just our example, but our substitute, then we will still be seeking the living among the dead. That brings us to the third mistake. <laughs> the women we see here. First it was unbelief. Then they didn't understand the meaning of what was go just happened here. Death, the resurrection. He had to die? Yeah. Third mistake we make uh, in seeking the living among the dead is this. This is where, this is where uh, it gets a little personal. Uh, in practice, we treat Jesus as if he were dead. We're not living in the reality of the resurrection. We may believe the miracle of the resurrection. Hallelujah. We may understand the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection. Yep, he's my savior. I believe the gospel. But we may actually, you think about it and watch yourself, we may actually be denying that he's alive he rose from the dead, in the way we view him and in how we live our life. How would you describe your actual relationship to Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you live as if he is truly alive? That he is aware of you? He is with you? He loves you? He listens to you. It may be, unfortunately, in our actual relationship to Jesus who is risen from the dead, he might as well be dead. We don't sense his presence with us. We don't really talk with him or have intimate fellowship with him. In fact, most days, we may forget about him entirely. He's just a memory. A Sunday school lesson long forgotten. We walk through our day and never give a thought. He's with, he's alive. No impact whatsoever in how we live out our life. 
wasn't so with these folks. See, you may understand the Bible, have great theology, but is there a personal connection to the one who died and rose from the dead? Who's alive? When you go to the grave of someone you love, how do you relate to them? You may put flowers down, may remember them, some great memories, shed a tear. Thinking about their memory may be inspiring and moving, but you're not dealing with them, only their memory. That's how some of us are relating to Jesus. He's just uh, seen in the pages of this, and I remember things about these wonderful things he did. You're treating him as if he was dead. He's not. (laughs) That's how the women and the other followers of Jesus were relating to Jesus before they believed, before they understood. But once they got it, their their lives were transformed. Absolutely transformed. The angel said to them, he's not here. He's risen. You can't relate to him that way as dead. You won't find him there. So, let me ask you. I asked myself these two while I did. (laughs) Is your prayer life like standing at a grave? Do you really sense his presence with you? He's here. He's with you. He's listening. If not, the angels would say, you're looking in the wrong place. It's not there. Now, go look at the evidence that he's fully alive. Go look for him in your prayer life, in your Bible study. In your church fellowship, each one of us who believe in him has the presence of Jesus in every single one of us. How do we treat one another? We don't see Jesus alive in us? Look for him. Becoming a Christian by believing in Jesus means that God has given us the ability to actually have intimate fellowship with him through the Holy Spirit. To sense him, to find him, to know his loving presence. Do you know him that way? Jesus is a risen Lord. That's what we celebrate today. He can be known You can be loved by him. But not if you think he's still dead. And treat him that way. You're looking in the wrong place. So when you step out of here, I want you to know he's fully alive and able to meet and be present with you in a way that you will know. That's the way he designed it. 
If you've never done so, I invite you to believe in the risen Lord Jesus who had to die for your sins, had to rise from the dead in order you could receive eternal life, the free gift. It's defined by knowing him who is alive. The living one, as the angel said, John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Jesus said, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent, knowing. If you're still looking for Jesus among the dead, go look at the evidence. He's risen. The tomb was empty. Hear the eyewitnesses in the scriptures who saw him alive. Listen to the testimony of many here who personally experienced his presence. Life-changing transformations because he's in us. Go listen to that. Ask questions. Take the journey one step forward. And if you have believed in Jesus raised from the dead, and have received the gift of eternal life, oh, please, I urge you, be alive to him, conscious, conscious of him in your everyday life. Stop treating him as dead or just a memory, less than real, a lesson or a doctrine to believe. Walk with him. Talk with him, abide with him all day and every day. You know why? Because he lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for demonstrating your great love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And today we we thank you for demonstrating your great power to save us when you raised Jesus from the dead. Would you help us now uh, to live in the reality of your resurrection, Jesus? You died a death for our sin, but you're now alive forevermore to be with us, to intercede for us, the right hand of the Father as our great high priest and advocate. You tell us that you have the keys of death to free and give eternal life to anyone who believes in you. And we are alive today because Jesus is alive So today we celebrate your victory, Jesus, over sin and death. Thank you for him, Father. We eagerly await his return when we see him face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.